0: Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the Gospel. Good to see you all. How are you? Excellent. It's crazy. Uh, I think they're... uh... I asked a bunch of people to come to the 930 service uh, to make room for kids ministry because this is usually the bigger service, and I think half the people followed my instruction because there was a lot more people in the first service, but I am so glad to have you all this morning. Um, if you want to turn to First Peter, a couple of things before we get started. Uh, number one, um, it's been awesome in this season to be able to come together and gather. I'm glad you're here with us. Um, But uh, today is an extra day of celebrating tonight. Pastor uh, Alex is going to share with you later. But we're going to be at our Troy campus for our annual celebration. Looking back over the last year, looking forward to what God's going to do in the future. It's going to be fantastic if you're able to join us. Then, also, uh, with everything kind of like reopening and us going back to kind of going back to what we were doing before, it takes a lot more people to pull those things off because there's just more elements than there ever was before. Additionally, in seasons where you haven't been coming to church for four months, then he come back halfway, a lot of people feel it is their time to kind of like, ah, I'm going to kind of move on from serving in the way. So I only say that because there are always genuine needs in the church for people to serve with the opening of kids ministry downstairs. uh, I highlight our keyboard player today is not even from our church. Last week, someone drove from Ohio to play with us because uh, there's a genuine need. And uh, previously, our our good friend, uh, Craig Verwise, they since moved over to the Kalamazoo area. He played for 10 years in our church. Almost every Sunday, I interviewed him when I was the worship leader here. And uh, there's gaps all over the church where we as the body can come together and serve one another uh, so that we're not limping along as the body of Christ because we're missing a foot or we're unable to use our hands because our hand is missing, our mouth or an ear. We'd love to have you, especially in this season as we move forward, uh, get involved where God has gifted you to be a part of the church body here in Lake Orion. So if that's you, you play an instrument we'd love to chat with you uh if you uh, love kids we'd love to chat with you if you can smile and greet someone at a door we'd love to chat with you if you can preach heck come talk to me i'd love to talk to you um but we're gonna be in first Um, first peter and as i was um preparing for today it reminded me of food Uh, but a lot of things remind me of food um any foodies out there you love food absolutely i love food i'm sure you could tell by my body structure but um i love food i don't know why people don't love food food's amazing but there's certain foods obviously i don't know if you've ever been there where you have different foods where you try them you experience them and you're like man that food is going to change my life anybody felt that way absolutely right for certain things for me it was about a year and a half ago I told you guys a story before but like what I've just loved in the last year and a half whenever I can uh some soccer dads they go and have Indian food and I remember the first time I ever went I was like this is going to be gross I don't want to uh I've never had Indian food blah blah, blah. I went and I came home to tell Sarah I was like this food is incredible amen anybody else out there It's fantastic. Like Friday night, some of the dads were going. I wasn't able to go with them. I was genuinely upset because I hadn't been in a while. So now, right, you go. And really, it didn't change my life. We all know this, right? It's just, um, we're just chatting. But in general, it's so good Um, that now that I have literally tasted and experienced the goodness of that food, I literally, I want other people to enjoy it with me. I want to continue to experience it myself. I want to go and have any food. If you want to go this week, hit me up. We will go because it's fantastic. Why would you not? If you think it's disgusting, that's great. But if you don't, man, it's fantastic. Why would you not want to go and have it again? Because you've tasted it and you've experienced it and it's amazing. Seem silly as we open up to First Peter today, but only share it because it's genuinely kind of what the Apostle Peter is saying to the exiled church that's scattered all over, saying, basically, if you have experienced, you've literally tasted that the Lord is good, live this way. That if we've experienced the Lord, that we've tasted the Lord and seen and experienced that he is good, we should love and live in a specific way that we should interact with one another in a different way. And that's what we're going to see today is taste the goodness of God. And if you have, it should change the way that you love and live. And I'll I'll be honest with you. I think um, I've been studying this passage for a while. This is one of the sermons that I wrote for all of Woodside. So I've been sinking my teeth into this for more than a month now. And I'm just genuinely, I think that this is a message that all of us need to hear, myself included, and wrestle with in the uncertain times that we're walking in right now. And I hope you're okay with over the next number, maybe the next month or so, we're going to be pressing on a lot of things that we're seeing and experiencing in the world around us as we look at First Peter and see how relevant it is for our lives and how we should live not only together here, but how we should live every single day with the people that we experience every single day. And I think it's profoundly, this message or this text is profoundly important for us as followers of Jesus in the day and age that we live today. And so, when you look in First Peter, we're going to start in First Peter 1, verse 22, the beginning of uh, First Peter chapter 1, the apostle Paul, excuse me, Peter, is calling the believers to, to uh, live holy lives. And then in response, he, he moves to how to love one another. So he, he calls Christians on how to relate to the world. And then he changes and says, this is how you should be relating to one another. And he calls them to love one another based on their experience with Jesus and what they have experienced. So if you look with me in verse 22, the first thing we're gonna see is just cut and dry, love one another. And there's a ton of application there, but we're gonna look at it together. Look with me in verse 22. Pastor Alex already read, having purified your souls... By your obedience to the truth, for a sincere and brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of the grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. Word is the good news that was preached to you. So the first thing we see, it's pretty clear that the apostle Peter is sharing with those believers, he's sharing with us by product of it being scripture for us to love one another. When he says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, basically that you have believed the truth of the gospel now for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly with a pure heart. Having heard the gospel, having experienced the gospel, now he's saying, live the gospel. Live that out every single day. And he's saying, Amen, if you've obeyed what the gospel shares about Christ, your life should be marked by a sincere love for one another. Now, that's a heavy statement. If you just think about your own life this morning or this afternoon, is your life marked by a sincere love for one another? Now, the word sincere literally means genuine or without hypocrisy. Literally, it's meaning that it has to be genuine. It can't be fake. It can't be something conjured up. It can't be something that you don't really believe. It has to be something that comes from deep down within your soul that it is the way that you actually feel. And then he says to love earnestly. So what does earnestly mean? It means for for them, what the word would have meant is that the idea of continuously, without ceasing. So, So we don't get out. It's not like sometimes you're like, I just don't feel like loving today, and it's okay. Or like in this scenario, God says, I don't have to love those around me because this, this, and this. No, Jesus actually takes it a step further in his teachings and says, even those who persecute you, your enemies, love them and pray for them goes a little bit further, right? So what he's saying is is no matter who they are, loving those around us should be genuine and it should come from a heart that is sincere and is something we're called to do all the time. The mark of the Christian life is a mark that is someone who is marked by a genuine love for those around them and lives that out. And it's not just something that comes off of their lips. Now, Why? Why would Peter share this? Why does Peter say, you need to love those around you genuinely and earnestly? Why is that the case? Well, in the text, it answers it for us. It says, since, and we'll talk about this in a moment, but that could also be translated if, since you've been born again, he says. And what he's saying is the natural response uh, uh, or the natural result of being loved is to love. That what you've experienced in being born again, that Christ left heaven, came to earth, set aside all of his own rights, gave his life on the cross for you, and loved you so much while you were still sinning, he died for you. Out of that place, you are called, we are called to love one another. It's a natural, it should be a natural result. What you've experienced is what he's saying. What you've experienced through Christ, you're being called to do now. Now, he says that you've been born, and and maybe you read over these things in scriptures. Uh, I would say dig in a little bit deeper because it makes it a little bit more profound for us. And I just want to quickly explain what he means here. He says, This new birth, that when you were born again. So, all of you here today, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you've been reborn supernaturally into the family of God. But what he says here is this new birth is not from perishable seed, but imperishable seed of the living word of God, right? And so what does he mean by that? Not imperishable, but not perishable, but imperishable. What he's saying is, is your new birth, when you were saved, when you were redeemed, when you placed your faith and trust in Christ, it wasn't natural. Your natural birth from your mom and your dad one day will end in a natural death, right? So you will die one day. But imperishable seed, what he means by is it's something supernatural. It lives on forever. It will keep going. The word of the Lord remains forever. Therefore, you will remain and you'll be kept forever. And and he he illustrates that by, by reading or quoting uh, Isaiah 46 through 8, if you remember what he says, you see it's there in parentheses in your text. It says, all flesh is like grass and its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, right? So it's perishable. It'll die. The things that you do here, your birth here on earth ends, but, he says, The word of the Lord remains forever. And that is what we've been reborn into. And as long as we're called to be followers of Jesus and which lands forever, we are called to love those around us. It's not something temporary. It's not something that just happened and you move on, right? And the beautiful thing is, is that through that, through Christ, is what we experienced. And since we have been born again, as the text says, now we are called to follow in his footsteps. Did you know that? It's so funny, we talk about this all the time, right? We are a follower of Jesus. That means that I'm actually naturally supposed to follow Jesus. Or you call yourself a Christian, it literally means little Christ. That my life should be living in such a way that I look like Christ, right? What's amazing, it's not even actually overwhelming to find in the text, Because Peter here is calling us to live in such a way, to live like Jesus. Since you've experienced new birth, since you've been born again, what you experienced in Christ, you should be living out with other people, right? So we wonder sometimes, like, how do I love the world around me? How do I show grace to the world around me? And I would just say, what do you experience every day with Christ? The grace that Jesus gives you every day when you fail and you make mistakes and you're offensive to him and he shows you that same experience is what we're called to share with the world around us and it's amazingly clear Uh, Philippians 2 verse 4 says you know this passage well if you're you've been a part of church for a long time let each of you look not only to his own interests now I will say nothing else but just read this passage in the context of the world you're living in today Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count it equality with God, a thing to be grasped. Literally, he didn't hold on to who he was and say, I'm God and I'm never going to die for the world. He actually, what it says afterwards, he emptied himself, but made himself nothing Taking on the form of the servant, he was born in likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto uh, the point of death, even death on the cross. And this is what Peter is saying. Peter's saying, hey, all of you scattered around being persecuted in this season, and then for us to apply today, since you've been born again, since you've experienced the love of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, live that way with the rest of the world. Love those people around you, I'll ask you, I've only been on this earth for 30 some years, maybe some of you have lived longer than me, I can't remember a season and a time in my life where this message, where this text has more relevance for the world that I'm living in, I can't remember a season in my life where there's more relevance for us to show love one to another than in the season that I'm living in right now. I haven't experienced a season in my life where I feel as though the command of Jesus to love the world and those around me was more striking in my walk with him. I don't know if you noticed, but we're in the middle of an international pandemic, whatever your thoughts are on that. A countrywide racial unrest, economic crisis, maybe the most unique presidential election we've ever been in in the next month. There are a lot of things, and I'm not talking about the world, out there? There are a lot of things, even in the church today, for people to disagree about, cause division, bicker about, not show love one to another. But in all of this, in all of this, the world, whatever we're experiencing, we are called to be disciples of Jesus and live alternate or different to that experience. We're called to love one another. You remember what Jesus said? In John 13, how did he say that the world would know that you were his disciple? Anybody remember? What's that? I promise, this, this is not kids' church. You don't have to raise your hand. Just talk. By your love, By your love right? I'll read it for you. John chapter, John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, what? All people will know that you are my disciples. What? by the button-down that I wear on Sunday mornings. No, no, you could put a lot of different things. If you have love one for one another. It's interesting. If I could just press on this for a moment. No matter who we are, if you notice what Jesus didn't say, in all that we're experiencing today, he did not say, he will, you will, the world will know you're my disciples by your political position. Your stance on a pandemic, your patriotism, what you view on whether we should wear masks or not wear masks. No, he said, by your love, one for another. Now, our views on all those things are totally fine. The issue that's happening in the world around us with many believers, those issues are getting in the way of us loving people well. And Jesus says there's something more. No, by this you will know, the world will know that you Are my disciples by the way you love one another? In this season, as a pastor, I've never experienced how much, even in the church, there's more division and brokenness, and you don't know what you're talking about, you're dumb, I'm not coming back to church, I'm doing this, I'm doing that because of division about things that are not gospel things. And Jesus says, actually, to the contrary, Love one another. And Peter, who would have heard those words directly from Jesus now, is interpreting them and declaring to the church that is scattered abroad in immense persecution, much more than we're experiencing or what we think we're experiencing, and calling them to love one another with sincerity and with earnesty, non-stopping. There's no circumstantial time in which I'm not called to love you, you to love me. And to us to show love one to another. Here's the thing. A body of people. A body of people who have been born again through the living word of God is both is a body that should be characterized by love for each other. A body of people that's been born again through Christ is a body that should be characterized by love for another. Now here's the deal. Part of the issue is, is in the Western world that we live in, love is either erotic or sentimental. It's not what we find in Scripture. Like, Jesus didn't look down and be like, man, Jim, I love Jim. I just feel butterflies. No, he looked down in my broken stupidity and said, I still love him. I'm still going to set aside all of my own rights and love him despite who he is. This is the example we see. And we have to understand, no matter where we are, that men, all people, no matter who they are, what they look like, how often you disagree with them, or I disagree with them, whether they're in the church or outside the church, all people are made with dignity and virtue because they're made in the image and likeness of God. And they are deserving of my love. I can disagree with them, great, but loving them. Can I say, because we ourselves, all we deserve all we deserve is nothing but God's anger and sin, and yet he loves us anyways. As the church, man, we need to lead the way in this. We need to grasp all of this because people are not easy to love, right? Okay, maybe I only have people that are not easy to love in my life, right? People are not easy to love, some people, right? Hard people to love are hard to love this just is what it is and maybe I'm one of those people I'm sure I am ask Sarah and you might be one of those people I guarantee you're one of those people to someone else right because people are hard to love and I'm not just talking about obnoxious or annoying people to you and you put that person in the box I don't know who that is but I'm talking about other people that have hurt you and betrayed you and are undeserving of your love and don't believe like you and don't look like you and all these other things can I tell you while it's still hard To love people that are hard to love, Jesus calls us to something that maybe seems unnatural, that can be done because we've experienced it ourselves. Can I tell you, no matter who you are today, if you're a follower of Jesus or not, you hurt God, you betrayed God, you didn't deserve his love, you didn't think of him, but yet he still loved us anyways. And he still continually loves us every single day despite the fact that we run the other direction often. And out of that experience, the Apostle Peter says, Love those around you. So I just asked this morning, how are we doing, church? How are we doing in this, this, this field of loving those around us? How are we doing? Is our life marked? by love of those around us. Again, there's nothing wrong with having views, there's nothing wrong with having um, disagreements with people, but are we marked by love? I think it's a great season for the church to do some self-evaluation, myself, and evaluate our conversations, our social media posts, our interactions with others, and are they loving? In all of our disagreements, are we loving those around us? May we be a church, a body that is marked, that is characterized by love to the world around us and to those here that we interact with in the church, in the faith, those that say they're followers of Jesus and don't agree with you. May we be people that love well. And by that, the world will know that, they, that we are his disciples. So the Peter says this first, love one another. Then he, he calls everyone to grow up, like just grow up. Look in verse 1 of chapter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, like they long for their spiritual milk, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it they may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So the second thing he says in the text is to grow up in love. He says essentially that love is not just something we say; it's not just something like "I love you," or when I'm in a disagreement with somebody, be like "I love you." Go with God. No, it's something they actually do. Love is a verb. It's not just by what we say; it's how we live. It's an action. It's how we function and interact with those around us. This is what he's saying: grow up and love. So he just got done calling everybody saying, man, this is how you've been born again through the living and abiding word. Now you've responded in obedience. You've placed your faith in Christ. Now what's the problem? (laughs) The problem is myself included and all of us struggle to actually do what God calls us to do. I don't know about you, maybe y'all perfect, but I struggle. I'm broken and we don't actually do what God calls us to do often. We, we keep doing things that actually affect other people, that hurt other people around us because we are broken individuals. So he calls us to grow up. And he says a, a term, he says, put away a list of things. We'll talk about them in a minute. Now this term, put away... Is, has the image of disrobing of one set of garments and putting on a new set of garments. So Peter is drawing their attention back to probably when they gave their life to Jesus and they stepped down into baptism because baptism would have happened immediately when they gave their life to Christ and they put away their garments as if almost like soiled garments, their sins, and they got down into the water and they were baptized and they came up walking in the newness of Christ and put on a new set of garments and he's saying hey now that you've been born again remember that decision you made before now I'm calling you to actually put away certain things and grow up in love live a certain way and he's pretty specific about the things that he shares all of the things that he says all of these vices all of these brokenness all of these sins that he shares are things that actually destroy relationships they undo love with people they're actually the opposite of love. He says, malice. This is just a general word for evil. It carries hostility, possibly even an intention to cause harm. And he felt like that towards anyone in this last season. For honest, probably, yes. Deceit. The a general practice of deceiving someone or concealing or mis- misinterpreting truth. I don't know about you, I've never been in a relationship where deceiving the other person is the most loving thing that I can do and it, it just generates thriving relationships. It's actually quite the opposite, honesty, right? Hypocrisy. We know it's in general terms, but it's honestly uh, claiming to have a moral standards or beliefs over here and one's behavior does not line up with said moral beliefs. We talk about this a lot within Christianity. Can I just share this morning, there's been lots of this in this last season of people that claim to be Jesus followers, and then you see where they're going with their lives, and you're like, wait a minute, hold the phone. Just because of what's going around in the world doesn't mean I get to set over my beliefs over here and do whatever I want and take out this section of the Bible and not be obedient to it. No, there's... All of us are called to actually live out what we actually say with our mouths and believe. Envy, it's rooted in covetousness. I have ill will towards one because I want what they have. Slander. And this is a huge one in the church. Slander and um, um, gossip, speaking evil of someone and bringing, to bring them harm. And we couch in a lot of different ways. Like, did you hear about Tom? Pray for him. Well, what happened? I only tell you because I want you to pray for him. Then we share whatever it is. Or maybe it's even further than that. But these, is not an exhaustive list, but what the Apostle Peter is getting across is these are not loving. These do not cause for thriving relationships and community. They're the opposite, actually, of sincere, brotherly love and loving one another in earnesty, with a pure heart. Right? Because there's things we have to put away to love people well. Um, in the last decade that I've been married, it's been a little bit more than that, I have learned more about myself than I have in anything else. I think marriage is maybe one of the most sanctifying tools that we'll get in this lifetime is that you get to see really quickly how broken you are, how selfish you are, all these different things. And I had to learn over my season of marriage and I learned slowly to put away certain things that are maybe even my own rights and put away certain things of my brokenness because by doing that, I love Sarah well. See, this is what he's saying. He's like, put away this and love well. Well, is calling us to actually be a, a community that loves rather than destroying relationships, builds them up. But it's challenging. I don't know about you. Sometimes it's just, I become hostile and we deceive one another and we, we don't live up to our calling and we covet what others have and we speak ill of those around us. But may it not be so. If you have experienced, since you've experienced, you've tasted the goodness of God, may we be people that put away these things and live well in the world around us. And then lastly, he. It comes down further, not only saying put away certain things, but he says that we are to long for pure spiritual milk so that we may grow up together. Like newborn infants, he says, like, hey, as an infant... You should long for the pure spiritual milk of your mother and he says that that is the word of God, that we should crave the word of God through which we've been born again, the gospel, the word of God, and that is what's going to grow us up into salvation. He's not calling all the believers that scattered all over the place. He's not saying you're infants. He's calling all believers to not live as infants but to constantly be growing up into their salvation. And he's not saying that by reading the word of God, I'm saving myself or redeeming myself and I am growing up into my salvation. It's a way for him to say that one day when I stand before Christ, I will be fully redeemed and like Christ. And the rest of my life, while I am already redeemed, my job is to pursue holiness, growing up and becoming more like Jesus. He's saying stop living like infants and doing all these things and not loving the world around you and actually live... Start growing, start being in the word of God that you might become more like Jesus growing up into your salvation. You can become more like Jesus. He says, if, could be translated, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. And Peter is very strongly alluding to Psalm 34, eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Like an infant would not be able to survive without the milk of its mother. He says, we as believers should not be able to live and function without the spiritual milk of the word of God that has redeemed us. It's where the gospel is found. And the way that we grow up is that. Can I just be honest with you? If you're struggling to grow up, If you're struggling to love the world around you, the people around you, I would say there's probably a close connection to your time and your experience in the word of God. That it's not just a one for one. It's not that I gave my life to Jesus and now I'm perfect. I have the thoughts. I have happy thoughts about everything. I love everyone. I feel good every day when my feet hit the ground. No, but there's a process that happens, right? The two are connected, right? Right? Now, just imagine the scenario for me. Just use your imagination. I know kids' church is downstairs, but just use your imagination, okay? Imagine you saw someone. There are a lot of new babies, aren't there? There are new babies everywhere in our church. I think something happened during quarantine, but there are a lot of babies. Every week I see on Facebook there's a new baby in our church, and um, it's fantastic. It's amazing, Right? And imagine if you came and you saw a newborn baby at church. Now, you didn't come back for five years. I don't know why you wouldn't, but you didn't come back for five years, or they didn't. You came back, you saw, you're like, I think that's the same baby. Yeah, that's the same baby. That looks, yeah, that that's the same child. And five years later, they didn't look any different, they didn't grow or whatever. They are unchanged. They didn't start walking, they didn't start talking, they didn't start eating differently. They're the same you would be like, that's crazy. That's insane. That can't be real. It'd be odd. We'd never look at the situation and be like, that's normal. What Peter is saying, it should not be so spiritually either. We shouldn't be okay that five years ago, we're we're not unchanged five years later by growing up into salvation and becoming more like Christ. We shouldn't be okay with it in the church to look around and say, yeah, this person isn't growing, this person isn't growing, and I'm not growing, and we're not becoming more into the image and likeness of God. Since we have tasted of the goodness of Jesus Christ, it should cause us, it should drive us to pure spiritual milk, a longing. There should be a longing in the church for for maturing an adult-like to move from being infants to being toddlers to being adults, growing up in the word of God. And as we mature, it's easier to love one another around us. As we mature, it's easier to put aside those things that are not supposed to be a part of my life that damage our relationship together, right? So just ask you, like, what's what's your time in the last while look like? We've had a lot more time on our hands, seemingly. I I, I feel like I haven't, but... It, What's our time look like in the word? Do we spend more time watching the news than we do in the word of God? Do we spend more time endlessly scrolling on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and everything else under the sun than we do spending time in the word of God? And then sometimes we wonder, man, I don't know why I haven't, I don't feel that way. I don't know why I'm not growing in that way. It's because that's not the way that God intended it to be. Do you crave for the word of God in your life since you've tasted and seen and experienced that the Lord is good. Is that you today? Can I just share, if you you don't long for what he's saying, pure spiritual milk of the word of God, can I just say, maybe it's just that you're not hungry for what the Lord is offering because you're being satisfied with something else what we've been talking about for the last number of weeks, maybe your hope is in something else or someone else. But if our hope is seated in the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll long to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how many believers today here would say, man, I just still feel like an infant in the way that I love and I live. Man, can I just share with you, if you've tasted And seeing that the Lord is good, may it not be so. May we long to grow up in our salvation, to become more like Jesus. And the way in which we do that is in the word of God and growing in my love for the word of God as I grow my relationship with Jesus. And maybe today is a day where you need to afresh again, taste that the Lord is good. And may it compel you, may it compel us to love one another well, that the world would know that we are his disciples and put away things things that we think we deserve, that it may not damage relationships in this season. And walk well in love, because that's what Jesus is calling us to. I want to close today. I thought it'd be great to close today. It's the first Sunday of the month as we take communion. I thought it'd be great to end the service by tasting literally that the Lord is good and being reminded today the Lord is good